and proud to say this podcast is sponsored by Discover Delicious, an online shop for the finest in Welsh food, drink and foodie experiences from independent producers around Wales. Discover Delicious is the largest collection of Welsh food and drink online. Go to www.discoverdelicious.wales to see more. Hello and welcome to the Kitchen Clonk podcast. This podcast is based on my favourite things in the whole world, food and drink. And this podcast lets me indulge in that passion a little bit more. In each podcast, we'll be talking about a certain subject, a subject that I'll be having the fortune to speak to people who live and breathe um, about that subject. So people in that industry who either supply that product or are involved in producing it. This week's podcast is on coffee. Now, coffee is something that millions of us drink. It's part of our daily routines. Some people can't function without a cup of it. Some people need it just to get by. Some people meet over a cup and tired parents like me need it to just keep on going. I'm very fortunate to be in the company of two Cardiff Cardiff, uh, coffee heavyweights. got Ian from Brody's Coffee Co, um, a cabin serving coffee. Uh, I like to refer to it as like a, a beacon of caffeinated hope. That's how I describe it. I like that. That's nice. Yes, that's nice. And we've got Matt from Hardlines here, and we are in your new establishment. So yes. Thank you very much for no hosting us. No worries. So I'd like to start off uh, the podcast a little bit about, um, well, how you guys got into coffee and what was your first memories of coffee and how did you eventually end up in the industry? Mm. So Ian, do you want to go first? Yeah, of course. Um, so my wife and I, before we got married, we travelled for quite a long time and we lived out in New Zealand and yeah. if you've ever been to New Zealand, it's just a mecca for coffee. But Wellington is just paradise um, and at the time I was a baker, so I yeah. baked for a coffee chain. Modra, and um, my wife learned to become a barista. Okay. And, uh, when, you, when you've drunk like flat whites on the daily in New Zealand and you come back here and you see Costa and Nero, it just doesn't match up. So no. we, we kind of realised straight away that there was a, there was a real gap in the market and, yeah. and we realised that that was something we were passionate about and wanted to do. So that, that was the first point, coffee became more than just a drink you order. Yeah, for sure. Like it was, it was lifestyle. So we... We'd get up um, together at six o'clock in the morning. My wife would go to the shop and she went at six till five on some yeah. crazy hours. Um, and then I would be baking for like 12 hours for all of the coffee chains, uh, for all of the coffee shops within this chain I worked for. Um, but when I say chain, they were an independent that started from one. A lot, yeah. like, the, a lot of you guys, like mm-hmm. the roastery, and they had the roastery in the store. It was like right in the center of Wellington. Um, and you, there's just a smell every morning when, yeah. you, when you walked into the city because it's mountainous. You come down the hill <laughs> and just get slapped in the face with a smell of like cooking toast, which is like a roaster. Um, and there were just roasters everywhere. And I worked directly opposite the roaster um, in, in the one that I worked in as well. And it was just like the passion that yeah. people feel for it is amazing, but it's also the difference when people pay the product respect. Okay. Like when, when they really, really go for it, it makes sense. It's definitely like a way of life, especially over that side of the world, I think, mm. isn't it? It's very much a way of life, I think, more um, so than it is here. We were only there for eight months, but in that time, we'd watch people open up coffee shops um, without knowing what they were doing. 
and then closed coffee shops three months later because it, the standard was so high. If, if, it, if it wasn't good when they walked in the first day, you, you were just done for. Yeah, you lost them. I think it's like a calling card some way of Australia on how they feel about coffee. They take it very seriously. Mm -hmm. And you said quality is key. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the the friendly debate over whether the flat white originated in New Zealand or, <laughs> or Australia. But I mean, I'm always team New Zealand. But okay. I had some amazing coffees in Melbourne and, and, and around Australia as well. The Southern Hemisphere still have edge on us, but you can see Europe now that we're waking up to it. Yeah. We're gaining momentum really fast, and it's really really cool to see because just in the short term we've been in Cardiff. You know, the number of independents. Yeah, I think so. And it's like, I think stylistically it's different throughout the globe, I'd think. Like coffee in, I've not been lucky enough to go to Australia or New Zealand yet, but I think I, I would imagine certainly like America, and I've done a bit of America, maybe the style of coffee there might be very different to the style of coffee you might see in Scandinavia or in the UK, or if you go over to like Tokyo, I know is like a really, really big mecca now for coffee as well. So it's interesting to to see how different countries put their spin on this oh, humble ingredient. So do you think your entry point, like that Australia is where you and coffee, you know, uh, you had your lifelong relationship, you know, you know cemented out. Mm. Do you think it's where you are influences sort of how, how coffee, what coffee means to you, or what your expectations of coffee are? For example, what was your entry point into yeah, mine's definitely not as romantic as uh, <laughs> as that, I don't think. But, the, you know, it was very much weird some jobs previously, doing um, some sort of sound work and touring sound work. And, and me and Soph, who's not here today, but we sort of came to the end of a road with one job and sort of started putting together some ideas of what we wanted to create and what at the time we thought Cardiff might have been missing. Yeah. Um, always knew it wanted to be something circulating within food and drink. Yeah. We took a little trip to Barcelona in the January of like 2016, I think it was. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, we're, we're finding it. We're finding it. Um, there's no romance between you and Sophie. Then. Yeah, for that on record. Um, and yeah, we yeah maybe so. We just discovered a couple of spots out there that we were really really drawn to, and I remember sitting there thinking like, oh, this is this is what I would want where I live. So why don't we try and put that, you know, back back home sort of thing and. Hopefully, three years later, or however long later, we've we've come on a journey and and got to an end goal where we finally built something that we're happy with, and we hope people like to come and hang out. I suppose. I mean, yeah. If you go to a city like Barcelona, you're going to be pretty inspired. Yeah, by, I think by, so. By food and drink. And yeah. So did did you go to Barcelona looking for? Coffee? No, we just went on a holiday. We went on a little sort of. We went to Prague and we went to Barcelona immediately after each other, just to get away for a bit. And, but we'd had a bit of a, like a rough Christmas, I think it's probably fair to say, or like we'd, we'd both done some jobs around that Christmas period that we were yeah. both very much not enjoying and sort of knew that we were coming to the end of our tether with that sort of work. And I think we just sort of spun around Barcelona for a while and we're like, oh yeah, you know, I was generally into food before that and, and eating and cooking and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, that might have been the switch point, I think, where we said like, oh, we could probably do something. But then obviously the difference between saying I'm going to go and open a coffee shop or whatever it is and ending up doing that is a very long 
I think it should journey. Be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can you work for it, right? And you sort of mm. try to. And I think probably just different a little bit offshoot from just talking about coffee. But I've always seen it as more than just coffee. I yeah, think I was going to come on to that. I yeah. think so. I think it's very like. Do you think it's a culture, community? I think, yeah. But I'm like, okay, perhaps community makes it sound very cliquey, but do do you think it is a cultural thing? I I, I think, from my end, definitely, it's like, I think a lot of places these days, you can say, like, they do a good cup of coffee. Like, you could go and have a decent cup of coffee, and it would be fine. I think what then differentiates the reason you'd want to go back to Brodie's or come back here hopefully is maybe the service maybe aesthetically maybe you know yeah how you've been treated the food it's it's just feeling comfortable somewhere and yeah you know a a good cup of coffee is a big part of that but i think it's what comes along with that is going to be what really cements you in the coffee culture and the cafe environment it's in our language uh, do you want to meet for a cup of coffee? Yeah. They may not actually mean go yeah. for a cup of coffee. They want a social gathering. Yeah. They want to chat. And yes, it's likely that they will have coffee, but it's it's like a, a phrase now, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want to meet for some coffee? You know? Yeah. It's just indicating like, you want to meet, yeah, let's meet up and let's do something. I think and so. And do you think, where do you think, where do you think that's emanated from? Do you think that's come from over the pond? Do you think things like film and TV have had an influence in American culture to influence the UK culture? Because, and where do you think we are now with it? Because I, I know, you know, growing up, uh, so I grew up in Bristol, um, one of my earliest memories of, of being watching or people talking about coffee on the TV was watching Frasier. Mm, uh, yeah. You know, to, uh, coffee Nervosa yeah. uh, and then friends came along and they're all in a coffee house and I was 16 at this time and I'm like oh I, th- I think I want to do that yeah and I remember going to a, a chain coffee place in Bristol and looking at the prices not knowing what the drinks were and I uh, I ordered the cheapest thing on the menu do you mm. know what the cheapest coffee is on the menu of course you guys do you mm. So I ordered an espresso. espresso yeah, I'm yeah, shocked, yeah. Sixteen sitting <laughs> yeah. there with like this tiny little cup, and yeah. uh, I think I put about four or five sugars in. Yeah, just yeah. To it's, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because like, ov- yeah, obviously there's not a lot of good things to maybe say about the chains, but in the same sense, that's pretty much a lot of people's entry level. Mm-hmm. To coffee. Is that, yeah. is that first or second wave? Yeah, yeah, that's that two, that second two and a half wave sort of thing, isn't it? But like, it's weird because everyone's very always very down on them, and maybe rightly so in some cases. But it's and then it sort of gets you, or Starbucks gets you, or Costa gets you, and then some people go beyond that and maybe discover what their local is or what yeah. their local coffee shop is. And I'm I can't speak maybe on behalf of like the other side of the world or Australia or New Zealand, but maybe it's. I don't know whether independent is more integrated there with certainly in Wellington. I remember yeah. there's there's two chain shops in, yeah. in Wellington, which is a Gloria Jeans and a Starbucks, and yeah. both of them rural centered. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but that, that's that's probably because they're very long journey. They might have had more Starbucks. I don't know, but this was in 2005, 2006, and then maybe 2000. There was loads of Starbucks. Yeah, and people came along and went, wait, this this is just. Better. Yeah, let's do this. But yeah, it's just yeah, it's funny because the same. My probably entry level to coffee was a 
badly crafted coffee from a Starbucks or from a Costa, but then there's something you're almost, you're as time develops, your palate develops and you start to clock what you like and what you yeah. don't mm-hmm. like. And then you move into a different world with anything, probably with wine or but with it's beer. A, it's or, a social thing though. You know, mm. you generally go with friends or you're going with someone or you're going on, you know, a date or whatever. Yeah. You generally your entry point into coffee is a social sort of event around a there. gathering. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think we've, we've benefited from um, recession times as well because people still wanted to gather and still wanted to yeah. eat, but maybe won't go for two or three or four pints every night, but they could have that coffee. Yeah. So yeah. it's a downgrade on the luxury, in, in only in the sense of value, mm. money, but. What you do is, you know, you, you go meet at a coffee shop, but you don't meet necessarily for after work beers. And yeah. then after that, after that time when people were counting the pennies, they kind of realise actually, I feel a lot better about going for a coffee in the middle of the day or at five o'clock than yeah. I do going for beers and waking up with a sore head. And do you, do you think TV, film, culture, social media has had an influence on the? I mean, I think probably nowadays uh, social media, but if we just park that for one minute and just talk about film and television. Do you think that had an influence on coffee culture? It did on me. It did on me. My wife and yeah. I often talk about it. I don't know if you watch Law and Order or not, mm. but one of our first goals when we said we wanted a coffee shop was to be that van in Law and Order yeah. that they always get the coffee from oh, right. talking about the big case. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> and we still refer back to the Law and Order coffee van. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it, it's... It's one of those things. Yeah, I refer back to friends of that generation when it, when it became super popular that you just wanted to look for a central perk. You wanted that comfy yeah. sofa and whatnot. And um, and then Starbucks landed not long after or, or, or during and they, they gave you a slice of that and you're like, okay. But I think... Yeah, I've, I've, yeah I've never... I, but at the same time, I've never really thought about it or never really thought, oh, that's what's led me to, or that's what's influenced me, but probably you're being influenced by it without realising you're being influenced by it yeah. is probably the thing. Isn't what, it? Okay, what about in terms of where we are now with coffee culture? And you know, let's speak about Cardiff. You know, we're based mm. in Cardiff. Where do you think we are now with the coffee scene and the coffee vibe? You mentioned it briefly there at the beginning about uh, the numerous independents um, mm. that we have here doing awesome things. Where do you think we are with it? And who do you think, can't, yeah, I mean, is this coming down from London? Is it, Are we doing our own thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think we're a good, generally, I think we're a very good place. I think um, we're probably, obviously, still a little bit behind maybe a Bristol or a, a London maybe or even a Manchester that I go to occasionally. But I don't think that's a bad, you know, bad thing. I think, but people can come in, there's still plenty of room for people to come into that market to be like, this is what I want to do. And I want to be different. And I want to, this is my stamp and this is what we stand Something for. So yeah. yeah, I mean, that's certainly a lot of the drive behind what we've tried to build here. Yeah. It's like, I'd like someone to come in here and say, there's nothing like this in Cardiff. Yep. That's what I, that's what I want from it. And I think that hopefully is what customers want from it as well. That sense of something unique, something different, you know, yeah, some, yeah, something that stands up on its own two feet, I think. Um, I think there's definitely still very much a chain culture in Cardiff. I think you can see it's re- relatively 
dominant still. Crazy. Yeah. But that's driven by rent. Right. Yes. You know, so affordability of having a central um, central unit. Mm. For people who, who don't know, do you want to just describe where yours coffee So we're in um, a former park keeper's hut, uh, just in front of the National Museum of Wales. So when we got there, and it was actually, I was doing an event, because we started out with a camp van. Yeah, I remember. We did that six and a half years ago. And we did that for just under five years. You see the markets as well, didn't you? Farmers Riverside Market. Yeah. We did. did you? Yeah. Roth, 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 Roth you did for a long time. Yeah, that's we right. We did Riverside once or twice, but not yeah, that's because um, logistics and stuff with the market management. But um, we, we did an event and it was relevant actually. And the previous year had been really busy, but this year, um, as often, as you know, with events, what they do is they go, oh, that was really successful. Yeah. I'm going to put 12 coffee vans in. Yeah. <laughs> and raise the pitch for you by 500 pounds. So um, I went for a walk, um, you know, in a really happy set of minds and wandered around the parks <laughs> and the gardens and uh, saw this old shed and couldn't get it out of my head for the mm. next uh, probably a month. And then it just felt like fate because uh, I was halfway through emailing the council to ask about it. Yeah. When uh, I thought oh, I'll just do one more Google search on it, and that day it would just come up for tender. Yeah, but, well, then at the time I had a very good job, very yeah. very good job, and um, but it was like okay, this this is this really feels like decision time. So mm. we went for it, and we, yeah, we, we were in the shed in front of the museum in the gardens. There, there's loads of events happening there, but we're just such a small building, such a small space, and we, yeah. we, we have to do the best with what we've got. Yeah, I think it's similar because we've beyond this, we've got that little hatch in. Cardiff Market, mm. so those are reasonable, similar comparisons, I suppose, between the Arhatch that, and that's ours. That's why I said earlier about it, it should take time, because if you guys had opened this place when you first started out, mm. it wouldn't be anything like this. It but, wouldn't seem fair. But, but even even then, you, you've learned a lot in the last three years oh, yeah. before you've done this. Definitely. Just, a lot of mistakes we've made or lessons we've learned to be able to do this effectively certainly yeah i think circulating back actually to cardiff and where it's at currently i think it's loyalty and the people who are really keen for that and really keen for the independence and that community feel are really really super supportive of 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 everyone trying to do what they do and you have really really passionate regulars um friends as well you know we've been at this for about three three and four years now and you know, you've built customers as well as friends along the way and, and they'll they'll back you, you know, as long as you're giving them something to back. Yeah. They're really, really up for it, which is really good. And we've relied heavily on the people of Cardiff and our customers and that loyalty to get us here from Kickstarter to, you know, coming and finding us in smaller locations or events or whatever it is. So, yeah, regardless of anything, I, I can't question the sort of, Cardiff people. Well, I, I think you, you said it there um, at the beginning. The thing I like about it is there's there's growth space there. There's space for people to do their own thing and bring something new and continue uh, to increase the independent offering of quality coffee uh, in, in Cardiff. And you mentioned there um, patronage, people coming back, mm. uh, people, regulars, it's much 
like, you know, when you go to a bar and they know your favourite drink, do you guys remember people's faces and their drinks oh, or their names? What yeah. they did on the weekend or what they're doing this week or, yeah, all it's of like that. like when they come in, do you, do you ever presume to make their drink before they order it? Or? 80%. 80 With us, where we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Going a few yeah, and I think they like that, don't they? They yeah. sort of acknowledge that, and that's probably one of the reasons they keep but coming have you back. Had that thing when you run into someone and you're like, oh, that's flat white. Yeah, <laughs> or you call them by their the yeah, call them by their Instagram name, or <laughs> you do whatever you do. Because, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I think people, and again, it comes back to the service you provide and. The, I, what you can afford to do, I suppose, as an independent or is that sort of informality, I suppose, like the ability to sort of talk to them as just a real person yeah. or a real friend, which maybe you can't do maybe in some of the chains. Well, what, what do you mean? You're not going to ask them for their name to write on the card? Yeah, there may be that. Yeah. You don't know how many, I actually change my name when I go, if, if I... If I use one of those outlets and they ask me uh, a name for the cup, I just say Jeff. Yeah, uh, just, 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 just keep it yeah. easy, Jeff, yeah. and then they'll spell it with a J. I'm actually used for the J. Yeah. yeah, you guys still messed it up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, I haven't been in one of those places in quite a few years. But oh my god, we're treating it like Voldemort, the one that cannot be <laughs> named. One of those places. The couple of times I've been in, like my wife still reminds me of it because I go by Brody. Yeah. Like most of the time, because my father has the same name as me, so yeah. all the time, I was always just broke. Um, and so they always write bogey on my <laughs> bogey. <laughs> That's cool. It's another reason not to recognize. Bring on to my next question. Um, do you think people in general are still daunted by coffee? And that's why they uh, may go for. Uh, a more chain-like approach rather than go into independent? Yes, yeah. I guess familiarity is a big thing in that, I think. Or like just know it, like just knowing what you're getting and knowing there's no, you can just walk in and it's the same and you haven't got to like look around or you haven't got to like do any of that. So so maybe, I guess it's our job to break down that wall as best we can. I wish more people who were daunted about it would go to an independent first yeah because you're more likely to get your answer uh, your questions answered relatably mm-hmm. rather than a place trying to just whip through some orders because i think the n- names can still be daunting to a lot of people new mm-hmm. uh, to coffee and things like that i mean a side note on that what i think cardiff does do really well with our independent coffee shops is most of them aren't patronizing no. or, or really um snobby but there no. is, I think there is that fear that that's what they'll get yeah. laughed at or looked down on if they ask a question. There are, in, in London, certainly, there's a few people. Yeah, there. but even now, I think, like, you, I, yeah, I've not, been to one of, I've not been to one of those places where I've come out thinking, oh, my God, he's really rude, or they're really rude in a while, because people need the customers, don't they? Mm-hmm. You can't afford anymore to be this snobby barista behind the bar that sniffs if you don't know what a filter is or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, you need to treat every customer with a great deal of respect and you you want to see them again and you want them to come back so i think the days i hope anyway from certainly i've had no experience recently at it like i think the days of isolating snobby barista coffee shops is gone and hopefully more welcoming friendly warm spaces to continue uh, that, that's one of the motivations 
behind wanting to talk about coffee, aside from loving coffee myself, I just want more people to just try really good coffee and support some independence. And like you said, you're more likely to feel, once you cross that threshold, walk through the door, say hello, you go, actually, there's nothing really to worry about. Mm. You know, if you've got any issues about the names or anything, just ask somebody. Oh, yeah, I think so. And I think that the quality speaks for itself. Um, just to touch on that briefly, behind us, got your coffee roaster. Mm. So how long have you guys been roasting coffee? Uh, it'll be coming up to two years or so now. Okay. Um, yeah, something, I, something when we set out early doors, we were very keen to do. Certainly couldn't do it in the very early days, so yeah. relied on some, some good roasters back then. And then as we gradually got more confident and the possibilities started to arise, um, sort of made that leap, started small. We were lucky at the time that we were starting roasting, we already had the outlet in Cardiff Market. Okay. So what that allowed us to do was roast coffee for us and see how it was going and how, you know, how it was tasting. And then gradually as we got more confident, more confident and started buying better coffee, we could say, hey, do you want some of our coffee? Or, yeah. you know, approach other cafes or other shops or customers. So yeah, about, yeah, about two years. And over the last maybe, since moving in here, really, it's sort of, ramped up and now we stock some really amazing independents in Cardiff, Penland Pantry, Secret Garden, Wild Thing, who are doing amazing things in Grangetown, just lots and lots of places just doing really, really cool things. And that's what gets me excited is working with those independents. And talk about coffee roasting, just if, if you can describe briefly to people who don't know what that involves, what does coffee roasting involve in a nutshell? Turning green things brown. Okay. <laughs> green things being? Uh, uh, green things being the coffee as it arrives. So okay, the coffee okay. arrives green okay. um, with sort of really minimal smell or odour or anything really. It's just a very neutral product. Okay. And the idea is you pop it in the roaster and then that then comes down to temperature, temperature control, airflow, duration of roasting. Okay. Um, all of those components coming together um, consistently time and time again to develop a roast profile we call it so you might have a coffee that might have more fruit flavours or more chocolate flavours or more nut flavours yeah. and our job as coffee roasters is to enhance and develop those flavours um, as we want them so we might roast differently to yeah, again it's like cooking I suppose like cook, I don't know, cooking a cake or baking bread yeah. or we might do that differently to how other roasters do um, and we might think this way is better and other roasters might think this way is better it's very up for grabs roasting and it's an interesting subject because everyone's very closed off about roasting nobody really says hey this is what I'm doing and this is how I'm doing it yeah. um, there's a little bit of the dark art behind it I think or people try to make it out like it's very cloak and dagger um, whereas really it's not it's just turning green yeah, brown it's just weird uh, yeah, really. um, and everyone's trying to say that theirs is the best maybe um, so you're getting the raw product Screen. Yeah. yeah. So before, yeah, imported it. Yeah, we've used companies that we work with in. to import it. We've tried samples in the lead up to arrival. So yeah. we would get sent samples saying, "Here's twenty Brazil coffees. Yeah. Have a taste. What ones do you like?" And we yeah. do what's called a capping, and we select what lot of Brazil coffee we might want for the like for the next harvest, and we would then buy that coffee. Okay. That coffee would arrive green. We'd roast it. Hopefully it tastes somewhere similar to how we tasted it 
three or four months previously. Yeah. And then we'd bag it, put it in the shop and sell it. And you mentioned another coffee term there, and I asked Ian to take this one. Mm-hmm. Cupping. <laughs> Cupping. You see, you can't say it without a little <laughs> chuckle. Um, yeah, cupping. Do you want to explain to people what cupping is? So cupping, again, it's very much Matt's domain. I've been to a few coffee cups, cuppings, but all it is is the most simple form of coffee. So it's coffee with hot water um, and then you let it steep for a minute, two minutes, depending on um, what you're going for. And then using a very special little spoon, uh, having a sniff and so you push it back and have a smell of of the aromas you're getting off that coffee and then you you taste it with that spoon. um, It is the most simple form of coffee, but it also probably carries the most Flavor? Yeah, it's how you would say, that's how you would, so when you read maybe a bag of our coffee, you'll see like uh, milk chocolate, hazelnuts, and whatever else we've put on the bags. And (laughs) we've, and then that's, at that that point on the cupping table is where we've started to um, differentiate those flavors and find those flavors. So you might get a lot more chocolate and nut from, say, a Brazil coffee, whereas you might get more strawberries and cream from a coffee from Ethiopia. Okay. So it's that kind of thing, really, and, and cupping is a, a large part of that and how we come to those decisions of, of tasting notes, I suppose. And they're events sometimes, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We try to gather people. We haven't done one here yet, so we're looking to do that in the next couple of months. But gather people together so they can, so we can all cup Is that an together. industry thing? <laughs> no, we just, yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, is that an industry thing or can just anyone come No, on? yeah, we like, we, as with anything we try and do is, we try to just open it up to somebody who's never cupped before or has cupped plenty before, other roasteries to come down and cup or get sent coffee from other roasteries so we can compare similar okay. coffees. So, yeah, it'll definitely. Nice highbrow. There's a couple of beers. Oh, yeah, fine. Always fine. to just cut it in. Yeah, yeah okay. that's fine. So no, like any like wine tasting or okay, beer fine, tasting yeah. or imagine it like that. And who's got the loudest slurp tends to be the uh, <laughs> tends to be the battle halfway through. But no, I'd encourage anyone to. I mean, try. I, think that, I think it's good because you, you've explained a couple of things there that the normal uh, consumer wouldn't know the, the roasting process roughly and, and uh, the cupping thing. Um, mm. Ian, I want to ask you about things like flat white. Um, <laughs> so how often do you get asked, is that the most popular drink at the moment? It's, Actually, both of you, is flat white the most popular drink? Yeah, I'm not sure it is, yeah. yeah. And yeah. what proportion of people actually know what a flat white is? Uh, I'd say probably... People are quite educated with the flat white now. They're yeah. used to it because if you're ordering a flat white, it's normally not your first yeah. time. It's not your first time ordering a flat white. Um, but what we've done since we opened is we've slowly crept kind of more exciting coffees onto the menu. So we get asked more often what a cortado is yeah. or what a long black is. Yeah. Um, but again, it's one of those things, it's a myth to say that it's complicated because yeah. it's not. It's just the dilution rate and the texture of the milk that... That's pretty much the only thing that changes. So Yeah, I guess yeah, I think this again, people do things differently for different reasons. Some people will yeah, like I think people order it because they hear it. Uh, again I come back to that whole T V thing. Yeah. I don't know, or whether that it just seems to have become the popular coffee, I suppose. Um, so for people who don't know listen to it, to this 
for the record, what is a flat white? Mm. I, bet, yeah, I, flat I bet your flat white will be different to yours. At, so. at, at its most, at its core, a flat yeah. white is a double espresso with steamed milk. Virtually no air in it at all. Okay. Um, Silky smooth. Some people do it six ounce, some people do it eight ounce, um, but it's, it's never a big coffee. Not in the UK, but ironically, in New Zealand, they do do a big flat white. Which okay. just throws the whole world into chaos. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the shots are much bigger there, like 22, 23 gram shots. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what's your definition? Yeah, that would, that would pretty much be spot on. Yeah, we serve a sort of six ounce flat white, so relatively small-ish. But again, it'll come back, and then it'll come back around to how big a cup size do you do generally, mm -hmm. so then that dictates where your flat white sits on your eight, ten ounce thing so yeah usually for us it's a six ounce drink double shot of espresso and nicely steamed milk mm -hmm. so again trying not to again we're a little bit diff not different as other people do that but generally our milk texture if you want to get more complicated is relatively similar throughout our drinks and it's mainly we then come down to cup size which is the differentiator between drink sizes like between drinks so maybe a latte or cappuccino would sit in a eight ounce yeah. whereas a flat white would sit in a six ounce and then we try mainly from a consistency perspective so then we can train our baristas and the people who work here yeah. to steam really good milk and then that's universal across our drinks yeah. so it's a slight you know it's it comes down to the cafe and what the cafe wants and how they want to run it really yeah i mean it, it's certainly one of the ones that i think have helped to to boost coffee sales the flat white you mm. know and it's like a little bit cheaper it's stronger and again if you have a six ounce one it's going to taste a little bit stronger than an eight mm. ounce one. yeah um, so I yeah, mean, th th there are differentials but the key is it should be like a, a tasty coffee it's, it's yeah. got enough milk in there yeah that if you're not a massive fan of espresso yeah you can still really enjoy that coffee because it's been diluted and mixed with the sweet yeah it's probably popular because it's now probably seen as it's just seen as the coffee, isn't it? It's just yeah. seen as like, if you want a coffee in the morning, it's a flat white because it's got some milk in it and it's got plenty of espresso in it. <laughs> so like, and then people might think like, oh, cappuccino's a bit old fashioned or I don't want chocolate yeah, on a cappuccino. So you say that, so, sometimes I will go and I will say that when I'm ordering, I'm like, can I order a really, oh, I'll say the words old school cappuccino. Mm. And they go, oh yeah, I'm like, no, no. I want it like really frothy on yeah. top. Like, yeah, I want to dip yeah. the pastries into it. Yeah. <laughs> into the foam. Get a spoon. Um, and, well, yeah, yeah, lots of chocolate, please. Yeah. Uh, where's the chocolate? I don't, any, uh, I don't want any latte art on the cappuccino. Yeah. So it shouldn't be there. <laughs> on loads of foam, lots of chocolate uh, on it. And in terms of latte art, is that like a prerequisite now? You have to do some... some... When I'm, I, I don't know about you, but when I hire people, I'm not looking at their latte arts at all. Okay. I'm looking at their espresso skill sets. Because no matter how good your latte art is, yeah. if your espresso sucks, yeah. the coffee's going to suck. So for me, it's all about espresso because milk is one of those things that it can be yeah. learned quite quickly. Yeah, you can teach it with, with most things, I suppose, in coffee. So as long as the attitude is like, yeah, we'd even look beyond that. You know, we'd look for people with, sometimes it's better to bring on people with zero experience and then you can lead them up. That will yeah and they're and they're up for learning that's again similar to what we've tried to do here and yeah I, well, there's a there's a strict no swan ban at Hardline <laughs> so there was a time where I felt like everyone was putting swans in my drinks and I was like I don't want that um, so there was very much a just do me a heart and let's be done with it so yeah there's a swan ban at Hardline so don't do any swans uh, that's one of your swans are dead <laughs>
hashtag no swans. Kill the swans. But just like <laughs> you, if you get a very yeah, adorned cup, mm. right, and the guy's like, yeah, he's more pleased with it than <laughs> yeah, you are. Like, usually, yeah, yeah. Or, or you know, whatever. You just really want some coffee. I've I mean, seen an amazing meme where they just say like, you know, that moment when you realise that the nineteen tier tulip mm. gets as much attention as a very basic car. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> people aren't that. It's, nah. People are impressing themselves. Not just impressed. don't burn the milk, please. Yeah, yeah. that's what, I think that's what baristas do usually. It's just to keep safe. They're making 100, 200, 300 coffees a day, whatever they're making. Yeah. It's, just to keep, it's just to keep. It's more <laughs> in latte. It's more for the barista than it is the customer. It's, it, I think it's also showing that you, you are actually putting craft into it. Yeah, you are, you're thinking about it, aren't you? And yeah. And I mentioned this earlier, on, and I said I'll put it on one side. Surely social media and Instagram, if it looks pretty. More oh, likely yeah. to get a photo taken of it. Yes, I think coffee. That, oh, yeah, coffee, coffee and uh, yeah, aesthetics. Like a lot of what we've done over the past three years has been social media led, and yeah. a lot of hopefully our, some of our successes have been down to yeah, Instagrammable content. Yeah. We launched some sort of pink coffee a couple of years back. We you know, and that went a bit mental. And yeah, people. We are in a social media age, so yeah. we'd be silly as business owners not, not to, to engage, not to engage with it and take but advantage of it. You both are very good on your social media game. Uh, just for people listening, do you guys want to hit us up with your uh, Instagram handles? Yeah, it's Hardlands Coffee for us. It's Brody's underscore Coffee for me. Both very good on the story game. Very good on the story game. <laughs> Check the highlights. Well, if you want. For you, recently, it's just been the du- uh, juxtaposition between, like you said, your cabin mm-hmm. and the gargantuan winter wonderland, <laughs> yeah. you know, and the juxtaposition is very, very clear. David and Goliath. And then one of your, my favourite things of you with the new shop, uh, we'll come on to that in a bit, is um, people just having a look. Yeah, people just <laughs> love, just love, love. And they're addicted to that on yeah, stories. Yeah, I get it. They're just, they're just curious. So they're just, they're just interested in what we're doing and... Hopefully, if we can stop them from looking through the window and just get them in, we'll um, have our chance. <laughs> I know, yeah. that's the thing. You just thought about just putting a mirror there. Yeah. <laughs> Someone doing it just now. Yeah, just, uh, Jesus Blackfield for the Manitou Peaches. Ah, wants his coffee. Okay. What? Hi, <laughs> oh. uh, James. Have a look at your menu. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> He'll be in tomorrow now. I'll See, I'll uh, this is what I love about Cardiff. Yeah, that the lead singer of Manic Street Preachers yeah. is looking in through the window. Ask him; in, he might have his own opinions on coffee. Yeah. <laughs> he's gone off. Now. Yeah. He, he really does. He's, does he? He's a coffee aficionado. Ah, okay. He used to be a regular of my wife's when she worked for um, the only chain that can be mentioned, which is Coffee One. Okay. She okay. worked for the OG in Wood Street. Ah, yes. right. <laughs> That's a bit surreal. Isn't it? <laughs> cool. uh, and here we have the leading singer of Iron Maiden. No, yeah. just, just, just joking. Oh, right, talking about uh, coffee chains. Um, name your top three worst coffee chains. Top three worst. Top three worst coffee chains. I think the cost cost. I think each of them, if you're being really charitable, they have one thing that you can find to drink in. Um, uh, so I, I personally can't stand Starbucks coffee, but I think Nero's coffee is even worse than Starbucks. <laughs> so if you had to put it, was it, it Costa for, for coffee alone? Yeah, Nero than Starbucks. What Nero worst? Nero is the absolute worst coffee for me personally. <laughs> I love it. Italian, yeah? Italian based. Just there, so yeah. bitter, um, and I've, I've watched like twelve second shots there before. <laughs> <laughs> People pay three pounds. Oh, yeah. Um, 
So yeah, Nero is the absolute worst for me, um, but just my palate. Starbucks and then Costa. That said, my life hack for Starbucks is if you get a filter and get soy milk in it. There you go. Top three. Yeah, I mean, I I've got I can't even remember the last time I had either of those coffees in my hand. So it'd be mm-hmm. unfair for me to really hammer it, hammer hammer any of them, I suppose. But yeah, I can never remember having yeah any good experience in any of those three. So so yeah, when you really really must. But we're in a world now where you can get instant speciality coffee mm. where you can have little sachets of instant coffee from speciality roasters around the country and that might be the new uh, that might be the new get you through I, I, I refer to it as service station chic yes all of them yes. uh, because I so heavily associate it with service stations mm. that when I go to any of them if I go to any of them I need to use a loop sometimes yeah everyone does, um, everyone does. but it yeah yeah, I think probably Costa number one for me, criminal. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, what yeah. Costa's done to coffee in terms of the the vending machine coffee and all that stuff, I, I, it has taken a Coca Cola approach, which is yeah, which is interesting yeah, because it's which now. Works. But um, yeah, the vending machine side of things, I've got no problem with a vending machine serving coffee. Like, yeah, it's interesting now though because all of those chains, Costa actually, I think. More so, maybe. Um, they're definitely like employing lots of people to to sort of tag on to those like what speciality is doing, or trying to imitate or add cortados to their menu, or affogatos in the summer, or you know, there's definitely like a development thing going on in Costa or in some of those chains to see how they can maybe swing back some of the independent now loyalists so same with mcdonald's you've got that like you know whole like it's a it's a basic flat white advert or don't go to a well, yeah, they, they try to they, they try to play on the fear of uh the hipsterism of yeah. coffee game look don't go and be belittled in one of these trendy coffee places just come to your, your good old mates yeah and maybe uh, maybe the uh, yeah maybe your the friendly local McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think uh, and an Greg's, argument. Greg's now doing coffees, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, I think an argument can be had on both sides of that in the sense that McDonald's have got that advert from somewhere or have we done some of that to ourselves in when we were just talking earlier about the whole snobby barista thing? Yeah. Has something that's been set out in that early doors now come back to say, oh yeah, stop doing that and hence why we're doing hopefully what we're trying to do now, but... Yeah, I, I yeah, Greg's Greg's again. Like, it's weird to fuck Greg's because sometimes they just they oh, just. <laughs> mate, don't yeah. That's a different podcast. Yeah, you could do a podcast on Greg's. Oh no, <laughs> my worst nightmare. Oh, my worst uh, nightmare. Uh, but if we um, just coming to a close, just if you guys want to just let people know where they can find you and get what you do a little bit. So if you want to go in first. So, yeah, like we said earlier, you can find us in um, Gossip Gardens, uh, directly in front of the museum, we're open seven days a week. Um, at the moment, January, February, we're just open eight to three weekdays, and then ten to five on the weekends, because, you know, it's dark. It's dark. <laughs> <laughs> we want to come to the park. Um, during the summer, we open a bit longer. Um, and really, like I say, if I had to summarise us, um, you know, even though we've just spent all this time talking about coffee, and again, it's why I really, really like you guys at Hardlines as well, is we're, we're personality and, and 
kind of hospitality first, coffee okay. second. So we do the coffee to the best of our ability, but it's more important to us that we are a community space where, like you say, people can come and sit and have a coffee. So mm. we're often, you'll often see people having their, their meetings and interviews and sometimes disciplinaries, which is hilarious to watch. Wow. It's a lovely idea to have all of that in a garden atmosphere or park yeah. atmosphere, not inside four walls, I think. It's yeah. quite a nice idea in my head. Yeah. Well, it has its drawbacks. Yeah, weather and stuff, time, maybe. Like, on, on a sunny day, you know, mm. some days, yeah, it just nice feels like I've got the best job. I've frequented the cabin a few times, generally either on the way to the new theatre to watch Stickman <laughs> or a Julia Donaldson adaption, or on the way to uh, the museum as a bit of fuel, uh, yeah. normally with my son. Um, he gets a special coffee, just foam milk for yeah. him with chocolate baby on, uh, on top. And Hardlines, where they can... Where they yeah, can so you can find us, find us here in Canton. Um... Uh, CF51GX. Um, wow. There is, wow. I've, I've written that a lot in the last yeah. couple of months. Um, it's nice this road. <laughs> I can't think. I was like, should I say Iceland? We're next to Iceland, or should I give the postcode? People can make up their own mind. Um, we've got a little hatch in Cardiff Market, which we love and which we've had for a couple of years and which will remain there regardless of what we do here. Um, and we're on Riverside Market um, every Sunday between 9 and 2. And then you can probably find a lot of our coffee in a lot of really lovely places around Cardiff. So go and support them as well. Um, oh, so excellent. And I will not be bringing my son here, even though I've come here several times. <laughs> this is just for me. Yeah, space for you. This is yeah. just for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, well, I'd like to say thank you uh, to you both for your time nice. tonight. Thank you for hosting us, Ian. Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you for listening. I really, really appreciate your time. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, please comment, please tell your friends, and hopefully we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.